Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm sitting here in my newly cleansed, newly revamped space, which you have potentially seen if you follow me on Instagram or follow my Instagram stories, because I was so excited to finally take the time to clean my space this past weekend. And I got really excited also to share with you because I finally feel like after living here for two years and accumulating tons of stuff, way too much stuff, I was able to kind of figure out the way that my furniture fits in here the best to make it feel like my space is nice and open and spacious and airy. And I think Hudson really appreciates it too. He's sitting here next to me basking in the sun. My bed is in a different spot than it was before. And I actually recently learned that beds should not be placed across from mirrors for specific energetic reasons. So I'll be talking about that with Colleen of Style Rituals on an upcoming episode. But today we have a really exciting guest. We have Anjali Deva. She is my Ayurvedic practitioner and she is the person who did my Panchakarma. So way back about a year and a half ago, I did a one day Panchakarma Ayurvedic treatment at Surya Spa in the Palisades here in LA. And it was totally phenomenal. I didn't really know what I was fully getting into. I just had heard really good things about Surya and I was getting interested in Ayurveda. So I went to Surya to do a Panchakarma and the one day treatment was totally incredible. It was so different than I thought it would be. It was so full body and all encompassing and tailored specifically to me with the herbal oil massages and just such a deep traditional approach of how to handle what I was experiencing, which was hormone imbalances, adrenal fatigue, exhaustion, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. And after that one day experience, I basically slept for like three days straight and it was incredible. And I went to Anjali, who I had been seeing for a while at that point, um, who I found through my psychiatrist. And we'll tell you guys that whole story when Anjali comes on. But I went to her and I said, look, I did this one day Panchakarma at Surya. It was amazing. I want to do the full experience, but like, how do I do that? Because I, I know that I should go to India. That's what a lot of people do if I want the full, real, extended 
traditional experience, but I can't really do that right now because I can't really leave for three weeks or a month. I have too many responsibilities here. I have Hudson, you know, all this stuff. And it's extremely expensive. There's definitely options, but that is one part of it. So Anjali said she performs Pancha Karmas. And at the time, I think she was doing it out of her house. But then Anjali and my psychiatrist and their whole holistic integrative team moved over to this beautiful house in North Hollywood that is now called the Meta Institute. And we did the Panchakarma there. So we did that last September, coming up on a full year ago. And I won't dive too much into it in the intro because we talked fully about the Panchakarma in this episode and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But ever since then, I have just been so infatuated by everything that Anjali does. I love how young she is and that she practices Ayurveda. She's 28 and... That means she's two years older than me. And it was so cool because I finally asked her how old she was when she was over here the other day. Not like it really matters, but I just love when people are on the much younger side and they're practicing these really traditional healing modalities. And she's so knowledgeable. She's so wise beyond her years, I would say, in so many ways. And age really means nothing when it comes to all of this. I have, you know people who are 16 years old whose blogs that I follow. And then I have people who are 70 who are doing the same thing. And it's just really cool. So anyways, Anjali tells us her whole story of how she became an Ayurvedic practitioner, what that means, what it's like when she sees patients, what it was like to do her panchakarmas in India and all sorts of other stuff. So super excited for that. And before we dive in, I also wanted to take a minute to thank our sponsor for today's episode, which is Bare Bones. And last time I talked about Bare Bones, you guys were really excited because bone broth is so good for you. So delicious, so healing for the gut. And if you've experienced it, if you've tried bone broth, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's amazing. I absolutely love Bare Bones. They are a company that fights food waste by upcycling products and animal bones that otherwise would have just gone into landfills. It also tastes amazing. That's obviously a huge component when it comes to shopping for your favorite bone broth company. You want your bone broth to actually taste good. And in a lot of cases, even though bone broth is super nutrient dense, it's not always the tastiest. And I find that this bone broth, bare bones, tastes super delicious. I think that's partially because they use organic produce and herbs. So they know where everything's coming from. And they also have really yummy different kinds of flavors like tomato and spice bone broth and rosemary and lemon bone broth. That one's my favorite. And they also have classic chicken, classic beef, classic turkey, and a couple of others. So you can head to their website, Bare Bones Broth, to check out all of the different flavors that they have. And while you're there, be sure to use the code BALANCEDBLONDE, all capitals. That is BALANCEDBLONDE to get a $5 off discount code that can also be combined with their $10 off your first order discount for everyone who goes to their website. 
So that's pretty exciting. And we're going to do a giveaway because when do I not do giveaways with the companies that I have on here? Because I truly believe in them, truly love them, really want you guys to experience them. So one winner will receive a sample pack of all five flavors of Bare Bones plus a signed copy of their cookbook. And I was flipping through their cookbook the other day. Lots of good recipes, lots of good ideas. This is something you definitely want. So head to my Instagram, comment on the photo that promotes this episode. It'll likely be something about Anjali. And tell us why you want to try bare bones. Tag bare bones in it. Tag some friends. Really, the more you do to get us excited about your entry, the higher chance that you have of winning. And tell us why you want to try bare bones. Definitely want to hear what you're excited about. And Some other really cool things about it are that it has 12 to 13 grams of protein per serving. Most of that come in the form of collagen, which is great for your hair, skin, nails, and joints, and of course, your gut health. And of course, everything is ethically sourced, humanely raised. They use fresh organic vegetables and herbs, no added flavorings or preservatives, no antibiotics or growth stimulants or hormones. It's gluten-free, soy-free, paleo, and Whole30 approved. And they have a BPA-free and eco-friendly pouch. So there's pretty much no reason not to try Bare Bones. Go to barebonesbroth.com, use Balanced Blonde, and enter our giveaway. So now, without further ado, let's learn all about Ayurveda and the beauty of Panchakarma from the wonderful Anjali. All right, guys, I am sitting here with Anjali Deva. She is my Ayurvedic practitioner, although I haven't been to her for Ayurveda or wellness counseling or anything in about a year, as we just realized as we were sitting here, which is not intentional. It's just kind of, we did this full punch of karma together, and that was almost a year ago. And since then, It's kind of been more of a self-exploration for me of everything that I took away from working with Anjali for probably almost a year leading up to that. Yeah, I mean, I still ask her questions and we've been in touch and I'm so excited to have her here to talk about Ayurveda and the Panchakarma experience and her own journey to getting into what she does because it's so cool. So she works at this beautiful home-turned-institute, she can explain it better than me, where I actually met her through my psychiatrist that was my psychiatrist all throughout college. And when I contacted him like a couple years ago to just say, hey, I think I need therapy again. I definitely need some some grounding in my life. And there's all these changes. Um, the first thing he said other than telling me that I was a highly sensitive person, which has totally changed my approach to life, was you you should see Anjali. She does Ayurveda here and sounds like you could use some help with your nutrition and kind of your approach to routine and all of that. So I started working with Anjali and it was, yeah, it, it was amazing. And so I'm so excited to have her here to talk about her journey in Ayurveda and everything that we did together. So here she is. I'll let her say hi and tell you guys what she does. Hey, Jordan. Thank you. It's exciting to be here and share this with you. So like Jordan said, we met a year, maybe two years ago. 
given the time that we worked yeah. together and did the Panchakarma. So I work as an Ayurvedic practitioner here in LA and I work out of Lameda Institute, which functions kind of as a few different things. So we've got a yoga studio and meditation center. We also have the community area where people can come and just have lunch and hang out and spend the day in between yoga classes. And we've got a clinic. So we have an integrative psychiatry clinic where I practice my Ayurveda. So it's primarily diet and lifestyle focused, although I do do panchakarmas and other things. And well, I think we'll talk more about that, but I'm so happy to share with you. And just so everyone knows, we're sharing a microphone. Anjali, I think everyone listening probably knows now. Every time I have a guest come over, there's like technical difficulties and it's all funky. So Anjali is very patient. She's wonderful. So we'll be passing back and forth the microphone. And it's so cool to hear how Lameda, where you work, has grown because I remember when you guys first moved there from your offices and it was a huge atmospheric upgrade, I would say, from just an office building, which was also nice, to this beautiful home that is so, like, has so much character. It's so inspiring to just be there. And every time I'm there, which it's been a while, but I've had these like inspirational moments of wanting to write a book that's based at that house, like a fiction novel, because it's just so, it's like full of stories and it's so cool. And that's where we did our Panchakarma. I have to come have lunch there. Do you make Ayurvedic lunch or for that? Cool. Cool. So... Before we really dive into all of the talk, I want to ask you something that I ask everyone who comes on this podcast, which is, if you were a color, what color would you be? Ooh, good question. You know, it's funny. I was actually just thinking about that yesterday. Really? Yeah. And I didn't know that that was something that you asked. (laughs) How funny. You know, I think like a light turquoise aqua color, there's something about that color that especially in Ayurveda we say is very grounding for Vatha because it Mm -hmm. is very much centered with the ocean. So you can think about it being both very grounded but also very watery. So it complements something where you, if you might be feeling a little bit more airy or spacious, it helps bring you down. So that would be my color. I love that. And you're Vata primarily, correct? Or combination of Vata and Pitta. Okay. Like me. Except I think I'm more Pitta, right? Yeah, I think so, definitely. With a lot of Vata, which we tried to tried to balance out during the Panchakarma. So cool that you were thinking about the color thing yesterday. There's always synchronicities with that where when people come to be interviewed on the podcast, usually someone will say not just about the color thing, but like, oh, wow, I was thinking about that this morning or nobody's asked me that and except someone asked me yesterday or whatever. So I feel like the timing is very right, which I love. And something I'm so curious to hear is your journey because as much time as you and I have spent together, I haven't heard all that much about where you started and how you became inspired to do what you do now and your schooling. And I know that your dad is involved in this world also, which I think is so cool. So you can kind of just tell us your journey and how you decided to do this because it's very alternative, kind of like what I do, so different from what most people are used to. So tell us. Yeah. So I grew up here in LA and... (laughs) 
<laughs> we dropped something. Um, I grew up here in LA and I had a pretty traditional American upbringing. You know, my parents were divorced and so my father is an Ayurvedic practitioner, but I grew up primarily with my mom and um, she was not necessarily very healthy all my life. She had a lot of mental health issues. And so I grew up in a household that was actually fairly traumatic and pretty abusive. And going through that, you know, I started to realize in my later life that I was using things to cope, like, um, you know, engaging like socially or drinking too much or just, you know, doing things that I think all of us typical American teens do. And it started to catch up to me. And around 18, I started to feel a lot of anxiety anxiety and digestive issues and a lot of those airy qualities we talk about in Ayurveda and I couldn't quite figure it out. So every doctor that I went to told me that it was stress and to just manage my stress and I would get better. But they didn't tell me how to do that or what that meant or, you know, anything like that. It basically turned into like take Xanax. (laughs) And that wasn't something that I wanted to do. So I went to my dad, who I said is an Ayurvedic practitioner, and basically just said, you know, I need help. So he gave me a couple books on Ayurveda and I started to read them. And there was a book actually called Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life by Dr. Claudia Welch that just... Yeah, it changed my life. It helped me to see, you know, the communication between the brain and the gut and that intersection between our bodies and our minds and that what I was feeling was valid and that there was something that I needed to do and that was to change my life. So I dropped out of college and enrolled in Ayurveda school kind of blindly, not even really knowing fully what it meant. And um, that was, gosh, almost a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah, so that was my journey into Ayurveda, and I can say wholeheartedly that it has changed my life and that it is something I love so deeply. So that was my journey. Such a cool journey. Wow. I love, there's sometimes a theme on this podcast of people who have dropped out of school to pursue something that they love, including me, uh, while I did finish college, which I think was really close to your Ayurveda school. Where did you go to school? I was in Culver City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I went to LMU, which is like right next to it. Oh, yeah. Okay, you did yoga teacher training there. I love that. It's such a good program. I dropped out of grad school to pursue the blog and now the podcast and everything that it's turned into. And a lot of people, really people who just love what they're doing, like soul on fire people, as I call them, and as this podcast is called, have done that, even if it's not dropping out of school. It's kind of just making a huge decision to follow your heart even when you don't necessarily know what that means or anything about what you're going to embark on. So that's so cool that you did that. So that was almost a decade ago. And then what was it like when you graduated Ayurveda school? How did you decide then what to do exactly with your profession? Because I imagine there was probably a lot of different options or different directions to take. Yeah, good question. You know, so Ayurveda in the West is very limited. We practice it primarily as preventative medicine because it's not licensed here. It's not considered medicine. It's alternative health and we're really limited in what we can do. So I felt like in my personal healing process, I was really well studied about preventative medicine and I knew how to work with people on diet and lifestyle, but I felt like I still needed healing. So I went to India and did Panchakarma there. I did a cleanse there for, I was in India for six weeks 
And I went through this like immense detox, which included a lot of body work like massage and warm oil on the forehead and getting milk baths and a special diet and went through a lot of healing and change there. I think maybe similar to what you experienced in the Panchakarma. And when I came back, my life changed even more. I went through a pretty significant breakup and, you know, I was kind of at a loss for what I wanted to do. I wanted to practice Ayurveda, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how to get my name out there. And so I was building websites at the time. (laughs) Funny enough, I was building websites just for any gig I could get. And I serendipitously met Dr. Naeem, you know, through a client. No, I was working with an artist actually in Glassall Park. I was building her website and she had met him. And he was looking for an assistant at the time who could work with diet and lifestyle and counsel his patients. But at the same time had like an operations background, which I had. So I started working with with him. And then about three months later, he started referring clients to me. And that was four years ago now. And so now I'm the creative co-director at Lameda Institute. And I have my full Ayurvedic practice there. So it's grown quite a lot. Oh, my God. I always wondered how the two of you connected. Because way back in the day when, when I saw him as a psychiatrist, that was seven years ago seven or eight, I started seeing him and then saw him all through college when I graduated. That was just a little more than four years ago. So he didn't, it was, it was just such a different approach. And I think probably even he would say that just from the tiny bit that I've talked to him, how much he's changed the way that he works. And even back then, there was something so special about the way that he worked. And I felt like I've seen so many psychiatrists and therapists in my life because of lifelong (laughs) things, um, all sorts of things. And I had never experienced anyone like him who just took a more integrative approach. And so it was not a shock to me that when I moved back to LA and looked him up again and went to see him again, that he had kind of this whole thing going where, yeah, that now there's the Institute. And it's just so cool to me that you guys connected serendipitously and and we're working there that that you work with his patients. And I remember when he said to me, you should see Anjali who works here. I was so excited because I had known a little bit about Ayurveda from yoga trainings and a, a few books and blogs that I really liked, but I had never tried much Ayurveda Ayurvedic practices myself. So I was, I knew that it was coming into my life, that you were coming into my life at the perfect time, which you totally did. And, um, really helped me create boundaries and learn definitely about the gut and like the gut brain connection, but so much more, more like life boundaries. I remember telling you, cause the cool thing for everybody listening about Anjali is that when you see her, and people in her line of work, but especially her, because she has this just light about her, you kind of end up talking to her like you would talk to a therapist. So I would sit down and she'd be like, well, you seem a little frazzled or this or that. And I would be like, yeah, actually I have someone staying in my house and like, I can't tell him to leave. I feel so bad and all this stuff. And I remember that specific conversation so clear because it was the time when you prompted me to realize that my boundaries were all off and I didn't have any energetic boundaries for myself at all. I was just giving 
And I felt like that was what was kind of I should be doing for other people and for me. And all of a sudden, like that's not the way to live life, I realized. So it's cool to it's cool that your work can inspire people to change their lifestyle on top of their gut and all of that. So for people listening who who I'm imagining don't know a whole lot about Ayurveda, maybe you could just give us an overview of what it is and where it comes from and all of that good stuff. Yeah, definitely. So Ayurveda literally translates to the science of life or the wisdom of life. And I like to think about it as a living body of knowledge, you know, so we're keeping it alive by talking about it. And we don't really know when it originated. We know that our first textbook was written about 5,000 years ago, but it's said to be an oral tradition. So it could be a lot, lot longer than that. But what Ayurveda is, is it's a traditional medical system from India. So similar to Chinese medicine, we use different modalities like herbs and diet and lifestyle to help bring you into a state of balance. But What's different about Ayurveda is that it's really rooted in the natural world. So the way that it was said to come into creation is that these wise men would sit on mountaintops for, you know, hundreds, thousands of years and meditate on the world around them. And what they found is that everything within and outside of them was created by five elements. And those five elements combine in different ways and create the three doshas. So we have constitutions, three constitutions in Ayurveda that govern, you know, the way that we interact through our gut, through our mind, through our senses. So it becomes this really holistic mind-body science. So while we're talking about your gut, you know, it might turn into that your gut has a similarity with the way you're setting boundaries that really when you're not setting a boundary, it makes you feel nervous and you're clenching in your gut and then you don't digest as well. So we can find these patterns through the constitutions in Ayurveda. So yeah, that's what Ayurveda is. Yeah. I love that. I love that because I know so many people listening are probably really intrigued by Ayurveda and might not know much about what it even is. And I even have trouble explaining it after working, even working with you and learning more and more in my 300 hour teacher training. It's almost so hard to describe because it's this thing of its own and it's kind of like a way of life, I would say. Um, So hearing your definition is very helpful and I'm glad it's recorded so that I can go back to that. So as far as the doshas, because I find those so fun and interesting to know about, there is vata, pitta, and kapha. And I'll let you explain what each of those are. And then maybe everybody listening can do a little self-check-in. And if you don't know your dosha, probably by the description that Anjali will give, you might be able to figure figure it out or at least figure out a little bit about what you might be. Yeah, so... The three constitutions in Ayurveda, you know, it's important to know that everybody has all three because the whole world is created of these three. They're different energies. And that being said, you can have a predominance in one or two. So say that you are a vata or air predominant person, you would look a lot like the wind, meaning that you tend to be cold, you tend to move quickly, speak quickly, think quickly, you're very enthusiastic, you are artistic, maybe a daydreamer, you see a lot of color in the world, but out of balance, you might be moving a little bit too quickly so or erratically. So that could look like insomnia, anxiety, some digestive issues like gas or constipation, dry skin comes up a lot. 
But what's important to know about Vata is that it's really enthusiastic and that it's really energetic and motivated because it's the energy of movement. So nothing moves without Vata. And then Pitta, which is the combination of water and fire, predominantly fire, is a very driven person. So I think about somebody who is very clear seeing, very intellectual, very well-spoken, you know, thought, thinks clearly and is refined. They're able to make decisions well. They're able to take in information well because they're the energy of transformation. So they're always searching for more information, whether that's, you know, food, if you tend to be the person who's hangry, or if you are always reading new blogs or getting new information, that could be a pitha type of characteristic. And when you go out of balance, it might look like a more heated constitution. So skin rashes or, you know, increased bowel movements, heartburn, things like that. And then kappa is earth and water. And I love kappa because it's the energy of stability. It's what holds and grounds everything. So people who are of this nature tend to be really empathetic. They're caretakers. They are you know, very nurturing, loving, they spread easily, you know, in terms of like they're able to give when you're having a hard time. They're the people that you want there to have a hug when you're having a good, a hard time. They're also very hardworking and somewhat intuitive. But however, when Kappa, this energy of stability goes out of balance, we see that it moves really slowly and it can become really lethargic and have difficulty, you know, whether it's going to the bathroom or getting up or a tendency towards depression, there's definitely a sluggishness that Kappa can hold. So you might see that you have some characteristics in all three of them. It would be wise to take an online quiz. I think Banyan Botanicals has a good one or to see an Ayurvedic practitioner because sometimes a physical exam, you know, looking at a person and having a conversation is a good way of knowing what your constitution is because it can get a little bit more complicated where you could be balanced in one and imbalanced in another. So... It's important to know. I find all of that so fascinating because it is so much more complex than it sounds on the surface. A lot of times I think people just learning about Ayurveda and I know I was one of these people think, oh, you're just one dosha and then that'll that'll figure everything out for me once I know what that is and then there'll be a guidelines of how to eat and how to exercise. And of course, like you said, we're a blend of all three and it's more like that delicate balance of how to find what works for you within all of that. And when I re-listen to you say all of the doshas, I can relate to all three so much and even the imbalances in all three. I know that I have so much vata in my system, all of the the enthusiasm, which is great, and then the air, which makes me feel sometimes so ungrounded. Like we were saying, I haven't been in town a whole lot, and I'm just craving that groundedness. And Hudson, who's here with us, who's just hilarious, basking in the sun, makes me feel so grounded, and I love that. I love having things that make me feel rooted. So when someone works with you, when someone comes to you for the first time, or I imagine a lot of people listening now are going to go look around wherever they live for an Ayurvedic practitioner, what can they expect from the process? How long do people usually work with you? I'm sure it's different in every case, but just generally, what are the steps? 
Yeah. So in general, you know, I work with people either remotely or in person and that changes it a little bit. So when I'm working with somebody in person, actually both ways, I'll have them fill out an intake paperwork form. So that gives me a little bit of a history, an idea of what's going on. So I can start to formulate in my head what I think is going on, what traditional Ayurveda would say, you know, which dosha is going out of balance, what might be happening in the system. And so we'll meet for an hour. We'll talk about your history. I'll ask you some questions and we'll give a guess about where we think you are in your balance and imbalance states. So say, for example, you are a vata person when you're balanced and when you go out of balance, you get some pitta. You tend to get really hot. Um, We'll test that out after our first initial consultation by giving you one or two things to change. So that could be dietary, that could be lifestyle, maybe something like going to bed earlier. And if that suits you well, then we've got a good hypothesis. And then I suggest coming in every two weeks for follow-ups. And I usually work with people for two to three months. And then we'll have maintenance check-ins every six months or so just to see how things are going. And yeah, so that's available both in person or on Skype. Cool. So if someone wanted to book you via Skype, what website would they go to? Uh, you can go to my website, which is rooted, R-O-O-T-E-D, Russa, R-A-S-A dot com. And that's rootedressa.com. Yes. And we'll link that in the show notes and everything because I can't recommend Anjali enough. She's so helpful and I know so many people who listen to this podcast have found my podcast and blog because they too suffer from indigestion and stomach problems, hormone problems, um, anxiety, all the stuff that I talk about quite openly. So I'm sure a lot of people listening could benefit from the work of Ayurveda. And something I'm just so excited to talk about is our Panchakarma experience. First of all, You've had several in India, which I want to do someday, so I want I want to hear all of it. Um, but first, you performed my first Panchakarma. Is that what you would call it? Performed? Because sure. when I write about it, when I tell people, I always say that. And then I'm like, what do I... Is, is that right? But yeah, you did. I mean, you were, you were the person who did the Panchakarma on me with Joy, who was such a phenomenal um, massage therapist. A lot of people who have been following my blog know that the Panchakarma was totally life-changing for me. Leading up to it, I knew that I was on the brink of huge transformation, uh, mostly internally, just lots of shifts, becoming a lot more spiritual, a lot more aware of the need to ground myself and not move so fast. But it's, it's to this day still my biggest challenge is to slow down. So... I knew that doing the Panchakarma not only would force me to slow down for five days and I totally cut myself off from communication. You know, I didn't use a phone, didn't speak to even my family during this. I would only see you and Joy and Hudson when I would come home. I slept the whole time. Like I slept all day for the first three or four days, which is crazy for me. I'm like the biggest insomniac. I don't even sleep at night. So I got a ton of rest. And I came out of it feeling so serene and so at peace. And I didn't want to rush back into my high intensity workouts. And before this, I had been running marathons and half marathons and doing boot camp classes every day. 
And I can't, and I thought going into the Panchakarma, how am I going to take five days off of, of what I love, this high intensity exercise? And then I didn't go back to it for six months. I just came out and my body, my whole nervous system was like at a lower level in a good way, way more grounded, way more at at ease. So I felt like I don't want to mess with that. And I definitely went on a few jogs and stuff throughout the six months, but mostly all I wanted to do was stretch (laughs) and do light restorative yoga. And I definitely was still moving and walking and doing the things that make me feel good. But that changed me. My skin totally cleared up. There must've been some really high cortisol stress levels. And I just got happier. Every single person who knows me told me you've changed after this, like just glowing from the inside out, just this happiness, lightness that I didn't have before and um, got out of a pretty negative relationship, which you know about because the whole time I saw you, I was in it. I mean, great person that I was with, but not for me. Cleared up some space and everything changed, everything. And now I'm on this huge spiritual path where I feel almost, um, we'll talk about this, but like so intuitive to the point of almost being like psychic. Like it's might not be the word, but yeah, Anjali is nodding. She totally gets this stuff. And I'm so curious to hear. I'm sure you're like that because you're so intuitive also. So tell us all about the Panchakarma. I've described it before, but you will describe it so much, so much better. So tell us. Well, first, I just have to say it was such a joy to do a panchakarma on you. I mean, literally, Joy, the massage therapist, and I would every day talk about how grateful we were to work with somebody who was so open and so receptive and, you know, so gung-ho about, like, not having your phone and (laughs) showing up. And I think that, you know, because of that openness, you really reap the benefits. You know, I think um, when we have resistance to something, we don't get the full gift. And so I'm really pleased to hear how much it's impacted you because I have had such a similar reaction when I did my first panchakarma. I slept for a week, just straight. I slept and I slept and I slept. And, you know, it's changed my life in a lot of the same ways as you, is it changes kind of like the energy or the vibration at which you're functioning. And I know that that sounds woo-woo, but, you know, like for you, it brought you down from a higher pace to a lower pace to what actually your nervous system needed in those moments, you know, into a more parasympathetic reaction. And, so panchakarma traditionally means the five actions and it is traditionally a cleansing practice. So panchakarma can either be cleansing or restorative. So for you, we did kind of a combination of the two. We did mostly restorative and we did that by really working with a lot of oils, getting you a lot of massage, good nourishing food, a lot of rest to build you up. And then we did some cleansing, you know, towards the end with the herbs that we were using and different practices Mm -hmm. like that. But the castor oil laxative that we used was a cleansing process because Ayurveda believes that anything you're not digesting and by digesting, we don't just mean food, but we need, we mean emotions. We mean thoughts. We mean, 
you know, anything that is coming in. So like literally in this moment, you're taking in millions of pieces of information through your sight, through your smell, through your taste, through your ears, through your skin, let alone the food that you're eating, anything that you're reading. So when we're not functioning properly or we're not digesting well, which is a normal process, you know, we go in and out of balance, that's human life, that turns into something called ama, called toxin. So the main purpose of panchakarma is to remove ama. And we can do that, like I said, either through cleansing or through restorative. And we did kind of a blend for Jordan. We did, you know, five days of Abhyanga, which is four-handed oil massage, and Shiradhara, which is warm oil on the forehead. And then a couple days we added in warm steam baths. And then we did Ubdan, which is a powder, sort of like a body scrub to help remove some of that ama that we're talking about. But... What we want to do in the panchakarma, the aim of panchakarma is to move this ama, these toxins from wherever they are in the body, wherever they're being stored into the digestive system so that we can move them out and that we can come back to our true nature, which is to be joyful, which is to be intuitive, which is to have energy, but to move at your own pace and to really be in tune with what our body needs. So it sounds like that was your experience going through that. So I'm really, really happy to hear that. Yeah, it was awesome. And I remember, so of course, every day you were looking at my tongue and doing all the things that um, Ayurvedic practitioners do to to, kind of see where you're at with everything. And I remember by the end, you could tell by looking at my tongue that we had, in fact, gotten all the ama to my digestive system, to my stomach, which was a great sign that everything was kind of moving the way that we wanted it to. And then purged it with the castor oil and easing back into life after that was a slow process. And I think for everybody listening, if you're thinking about doing a panchakarma, and yes, it's amazing and transformative, you definitely have to be in the right place to do it, the right place in life. Um, I prepared for months to take the time off because I knew I didn't want to ease right back into my fast-paced everyday lifestyle after giving this gift to myself or else it would kind of just be like a five-day thing that's over forever. I didn't want that. So I did prepare everyone who works with me, everyone who's in contact with me knew what I was doing and that I was going to ease back and kind of come back into my responsibilities slowly. And so maybe people listening, there's a time for you that might work better than others and my advice would be wait for that time. I wanted to do it sooner. That's for sure. The moment that Anjali and I started talking about it, I would have wanted to do it that day, but we waited at least like four months. And I would say that was fast just because I really wanted to do it. And I knew that it was time to make some changes. So yeah, I think, you know, what Jordan's saying is that language is so potent of like giving yourself a gift. And I think about it as a self-care retreat you know really taking the time and the energy is like an investment into yourself your health for the next six months the next year that to put aside a full week and to really take that time away from yourself for yourself is such a gift it really is yeah so true And it is like a retreat. That's what I was calling it to a lot of people who would have no clue what I was doing, which is like the majority of the world. (laughs) I would just say it's more of a self-care retreat, but I will be off the grid. And that was important to me. And it's so funny that you, that you guys 
remember that so clearly too because that was the biggest part for me was I'm just so on and reachable all the time, available. I mean, I talk on the phone with like my mom, for example, five times a day, which I, I do. Like I call her. She's, she doesn't call me ever, but like, cause she knows she'll hear from me, but her 10 other people, 15 that I talk to every single day. I'm just, I just keep the people that I love close to me and they're very, I keep them very involved and beyond that lots of lots of other connections too and I think it's so important to just not communicate sometimes and just give all that energy to yourself and it's an experience I will always remember and want to do again and again and again and would love to do one in India and so when you've done them um how long because I know you've probably done like I did five days and that's on the shorter end of a full experience. So what have yours been like? Yeah, so mine were a longer version of yours. And it looked like three weeks at a retreat center in India, you could think of it. You know, in India, it's practiced as medicine, so they're called hospitals. But they really look like retreat centers. You know, they're these beautiful places that are well-built. You're in nature. You've got doctors. So the Ayurvedic doctors there go to school for seven years. They get medical degrees, and they treat you, you know, as if you're a patient. You're living in in the retreat center, let's call it. And you wake up every morning at, you know, five or 6 a.m. and you take your first medicine. So it look, might look like a medicated ghee, which I think Jordan did yeah. too. Yeah, you can't look at yeah. medicated <laughs> It's not the tastiest thing, but yeah. you would do that. Yeah. And then you'd get a treatment done. So for me, that looked like having a Bianca, which is again, the four-handed massage done every day for those three weeks. And in between those, we did different things. So during the cleansing time, it was the Abhyanga and that was it. Then there were a couple days where I did just the ghee because as you're really moving some of these toxins, you really need to rest or you could start to feel nauseous or not feel so well because a lot is coming up. You're processing quite a lot, you know, whether that's emotionally or just physically, but you know, I'm sure everybody knows that when you take time to rest, you, things start to come up. So my days looked like that during the cleansing days. And then there was a laxative day where you drink a medicated castor oil and you kind of sit on the toilet for a while <laughs> and then you rest for a few days. And then my rejuvenation therapy was actually getting these luscious milk baths. You're laying on these like beautiful massage wooden tables in India and they're bathing you in warm milk. And the idea is that it soothes the nervous system and it helps ground you and bring you back down into, you know, what we would consider more of a grounded, stable place. And that's different for everybody. That's the beauty of Ayurveda is that those doshas work so specially in each person that there's no way of saying that there's one treatment for everybody. So it's going to look different for everybody. The milk bath might not be for somebody who's trying to lose weight. You know, I have a very thin frame and that was helping to ground me down. Whereas somebody else might get a different type of treatment. There's herbal water or um, taking baths or steam boxes or, you know, different diet protocols. There's a plethora of options and it's really, it's really so amazing the ways we can play with it. 
Hearing you say all that makes me want to do that so bad. One day, one day, probably next year, I will just go ahead and say it out loud because I would really like to spend some time in 2018 doing something like that for myself. And the hardest part will be leaving Hudson. That'll be probably the only hard part. Everything else will be so nice. So I hope to do something like that. It just sounds like taking that experience that I had to a whole new level. And I remember when you and I were talking about the options for me with my first Panchakarma, you suggested doing the five-day here in LA kind of just as an introduction to see what you're getting yourself into because some people might really not resonate with the experience. It's definitely different and it's definitely... As I said, I think you have to be in the right place. And a couple of years ago, I would have not been. I would have been very eager to get back to regular fast-paced life and talk to people and move fast. And you do have to sit with some very big things. Actually, the hugest, I, I think I told you this, but I don't know if I did. The hugest thing for me, which was so transformative, was... And I didn't expect this going into the Panchakarma at all. I didn't really know what to expect, but I let go. I just processed and let go of this trauma that I have talked about on the podcast, which was my dear friend, my first love, just being super sick and trying to commit suicide many times and still very sick all these horrible things and I've been carrying it with me for over a decade just because I love him and I felt very responsible for him for a long time held myself back from a lot of stuff because I just was worried and weighed down and affected and all of that I somehow while we were doing the Panchakarma, I just processed it and I just let it go. And it was this huge weight. And it doesn't mean that I don't care about him or that we're not in contact, but it's just, I just feel differently about it. I feel like my life is my life and I have the control to choose how I feel every day and what I think about and what I, how I approach difficult things like that. And, um, so interesting because you know that's what we're hoping to get to in panchakarma is that when we talk about ama or these layers of undigested things right it all might start with an experience or a thought or emotion where then things start to get piled up over the years you know because all of a sudden you don't have the time or the energy to sit with that uncomfortable experience that you had so layers build up on it and panchakarma is kind of like peeling back the onion you know where we're giving you time space healing to be able to really work through whatever it is you need to work through and i think what's amazing is that the body knows what to do it knows how to heal. It knows how to take care of itself when we give it the right nourishment, the right treatments, the right time to rest. And I just think it's so amazing that you had that experience because that's our hope. You know, we don't go into it knowing that that's what's going to come up. We go into it hoping it's going to help your skin and digestion, but actually that it's so much deeper than that. So I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. It was cool. It was also funny because I was reading this book the whole time during the Panchakarma. It was like a 1,400-page book called I Know This Much Is True by Wally Lamb, and it's fiction. I had just been wanting to read it for a long time, and I finally had the time. And 
it's weird because there is a character in that book that very much parallels my Tommy. That's his name. And that was his name in the book. Thomas, just super weird. And so I think reading that book during the experience without planning or having expectations about what that would do got him just so much in my head and my heart and my system and then was able to let it go. So it's cool also just what reading books can do and that reading a book during the Panchakarma, a really long, really depthful book. Um, yeah, it's it reminded me too just how nice it is to immerse yourself in reading and novels and I've always loved novels but it could be different for other people it doesn't have to be that it could be movies or you're not really supposed to do that during a punch of karma to watch tv but I guess just something that you really enjoy um that is that it's art it's a form of art and so that was huge for me and um now I read a lot more again so that was another really important kind of change awakening that I had during the panchakarma but for people who are not prepared to do a full panchakarma or in a position to do one what are some ways that they could incorporate ayurvedic techniques into their life just on daily routine yeah there's a lot of really awesome tools that you can use um you know one of them i think most importantly is to live within circadian rhythm to get closest to going to bed at 10 and waking up at 6 <laughs> Jordan's saying it's hard for her. And so, you know, say you're going to bed at two o'clock right now, maybe changing that to one thirty for a month and then one o'clock, but working your way down because what we find, you know, now through modern science is that it affects your microbes and it affects the way that you digest because they're happier when you're living within nature. And we all kind of know that to some degree, it's somewhat common sense, but I think it's really important to stress that, how important it is to go to bed, you know, at 10 o'clock or even before that and wake up. I go to bed around between 10 and 11 every night, but I try for 10 um, and I do get up at five every day and do my practice, maybe six days a week, I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do a yoga and meditation practice every morning. I've been doing that for years. It's what keeps me grounded, especially living in a busy city like LA. Yeah. But so the bedtime is a big one. And then in terms of practically, if you're having any sort of digestive issue, I find that drinking hot water first thing in the morning, is very important. Scraping your tongue after you brush your teeth and, you know, checking out your digestion. So whatever that means to you. There's different blogs online that you can read, but what I find most importantly is not snacking. <laughs> mm -hmm. Having meals. Yeah, not snacking and staying away from ice drinks. Most people will feel better with just a few of those small changes. Such valuable knowledge. So cool. I've heard that a lot about the circadian rhythm. I just have so much trouble going to sleep unless I get on that schedule. Of course, I can accidentally trick myself into it when I'm like coming back from a different time zone or something but I want to stick with it it's so important and I think yeah I mean I've I've seen the benefits of it I was pretty good about it for a while especially when I was working with you because you would talk about that and um another cool thing I'll always remember you saying is um the whole coffee debate is like I love coffee and of course in your line of work 
coffee isn't, you know, it's a stimulant. And so it's not something you want to be dependent on. But I remember I was trying to cut it out cold turkey because I'm so extreme and I'm just going to do it all. And I remember you saying, if you can live without it or like if you take it out of your life, then it's okay to have a little bit every so often as medicine. And I actually have your voice in my head like every single time I actually can do that, like use coffee as medicine because there are days that it helps and it's an herb. And um, as long as you're not overdoing it and being way too extreme and having like several cups a day, then I liked your approach to that. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, I think I'm pretty lenient and untraditional in that way that, you know, everything in Ayurveda is considered either a medicine or a poison. And so the way that we're using it affects how it's going to work within our system. And I think we live in a culture where we highly overconsume caffeine. Yeah. You know, most people are having four to five cups a day. And I think it's excessive because, you know, the way I think about it is you're you're pulling from your reserve. Like if you're having a couple cups of coffee today, you're pulling from energy that could have been used tomorrow or the day after. And so some days you need that little extra boost and, um, you should use it then because that's when you need it most. But if you're relying on that day to day, then there's maybe a pattern we want to look at. You know, is there something in your life that we can shift to give you a little bit more energy? And that's hard when you're working a full-time job and you're a mom and you're not sleeping and, you know, there's a whole lot of things that are going on. So we need to look at what's practical. And, you know, if having a coffee once a week is what's going to keep you you know, doing what you need to do to pay the bills, then we'll figure out how to make that work for you. I like that. I like that you're lenient and untraditional in certain ways because I think it resonates with a lot of people because as much as we would love to incorporate all of the Ayurvedic tradition into our modern life, it is a modern life. And especially in a city like LA and the commitments that a lot of people have, it can be hard. I mean, the coffee thing, yes, you can live without coffee. It's not the biggest deal in the world, but there are other things. And I think that's cool because as far as Ayurveda goes, I think a lot of a lot of people, myself included, think of an older generation and you're so young and it's so cool that you practice Ayurveda and um, share it with the world as just kind of a younger approach. And I love that. Is that something that you, that you find, do you know a lot of other people our age that practice Ayurveda? You know, I, I don't. I have a couple friends who practice Ayurveda, but usually it's me in a class with women who are, you know, in later stages in life. But I think that's actually one of my passions because I think with this age of the internet and blogging and people like you who are so self-aware and conscious and trying to make a lot of these practices more well-known, Ayurveda is one that shouldn't get left behind because if we instill a lot of these practices and we learn how to know ourselves better through the system at an early age, we'll have a lot less work to do later in life, you know, and it it's cumulative. If you learn the system now, it's going to affect you for the rest of your life. You know, the idea is that you'll age gracefully, that you won't have as many health issues, that you'll be able to be more joyful. And I think in the West, Ayurveda is practiced as sort of a last term. Like you've seen doctors, you've tried everything. It's not really working, so you'll try Ayurveda. And that's usually later in life. And I think we're missing out on the whole preventative science of Ayurveda and how to really live it so that you feel well. And I think a lot of us don't want to give up our modern lifestyles because it's fun and exciting and you don't have to. 
You don't have to, but you can adapt it so that you're taking out the things that really could be harmful. That's so cool. I think it is. It's awesome. And I think that people, when they see someone young practicing Ayurveda like you, it can be inspiring for other young people to prevent because a lot of us, we can feel very invincible or bulletproof when we're young. But in reality, when you do have that awareness, preventative is important. It's really cool. So back to the whole intuitive thing, because I feel like I know you're so intuitive. Do you, do you find that having like a spiritual practice also helps ground you? And do you feel like more opened up by that? I don't know if that's a question, but what, what is your spiritual practice like? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I've been practicing yoga, like the physical parts of yoga since I was five and meditating since I was in my teens. So it's been a long while that they've been a part of my life. But spiritually, I don't think that I was really open to what that meant until maybe five or six years ago. And I had a couple experiences where I felt like my heart just broke open in this really like beautiful way where I could understand compassion and wisdom. And that was actually through a Buddhist path, really studying Buddhism and meditation and going on Vipassana and, you know, being engaged in that way spiritually because it was a wisdom science. It wasn't something that was woo-woo and believing in something that I wasn't sure I believed in or a God or something outside of myself, but it's become such a daily self-awareness practice and just getting to know myself and the parts of me that I believe, you know, go on, that live on, that we all share, that are really joyful and blissful and that your innate self is to live in this wisdom and compassion place. So... My spiritual practice looks like a lot of chanting in the mornings right now. It's always evolving, but right now I'm really working on my chanting practice. And then I do some self-compassion practices because I feel like that's what I need right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, cool. So what kind of chants, like from a specific text or a place that other people could find too? They, they're Sanskrit texts as chants and they come from the Vedas, which are, you know, the original books of India. So I was taught them by a teacher in India. So cool. I love that. Yeah. I think having a spiritual practice is newer to me too, like a true spiritual practice because similar to you, yoga has been in my life for a long time, even meditation, but being opened up to so much more has been so cool. And I think Ayurveda and the Panchakarma was a huge catalyst for me for just opening myself up and slowing down enough to even notice what that could be like and make that time for myself to have that spiritual practice. And it is really grounding. So that's so cool. I'm sure that you could go on and on about it because you so people listening Anjali has done silent retreats in fact right before she did the panchakarma on me she was coming back from a silent retreat and I can't even imagine how transformative that was so I thought it was a big deal to not have my phone for five days but you didn't even speak out loud for 10 days what was that like it was the most incredible experience I've ever had. (laughs) You know, as a teenager, I was definitely not shy with experimenting and I've done a lot of things in my life that I'll just say it this way. It was the highest I've ever been. (laughs) It was the most blissful and joyful experience to really just be alone with yourself and to know yourself 
on such a deep way, which can sound esoteric, but I think often when we're alone or processing, there's still a lot to go through, you know? So when you have 10 days of silence and being with yourself, you've worked through a lot and you can get to that real low core layer of your being, which is really silent, which is really compassionate, which is really loving and joyful. And to be in that place for days at a time, it's, um, makes you feel like you know why you're human, you know, and there's something that's so deep and so grounding that you don't lose. You don't ever lose that memory. However, I will say coming back to city life in LA right after that is a little bit challenging. So if you're thinking about doing something like an experience where you're getting that open, I would definitely suggest integrating slowly. I can't even imagine how hard that would have been to do 10 days of silence and then jump back into LA and working and we started the Panchakarma right afterwards, which for me was very relaxing, but for you, it was a lot of work. And so it was probably a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was joyful. It was probably a good thing to do rather than like a lot of, a lot of other things that you could have been doing when you first got back. So cool. So I'm so glad that we have gotten you on here and you've gotten to share about Ayurveda and your life with everybody. So tell us again, now that we're finishing our conversation where everyone can find you and um, all of that, because I'm positive that people now having learned about Ayurveda will want to experience it themselves. Uh, definitely. So if you want more information, you can always email me or check out my website. My website is rootedrasa.com. So that's R-O-O-T-E-D like dog, R-A-S-A.com. We'll put it in the show notes, make it really easy. I'm so glad that you guys got to ha- listen in on this conversation with Anjali and myself. And it's been so fun to catch up with you and talk and share our Panchakarma stories and hear your journey. So thank you for being here. And this was a blast. Thank you so much, Jordan. I really enjoyed it.